episode 10, building customer success and support for your SaaS. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrap SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of GatherUp and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And we have hit double digits, my friend. This is it. This is, we finally made it big time. Let's just shut it down. <laughs> 10 episodes. This is our final episode. That somebody that just listening thought we maybe meant 10 years, but no. Just <laughs> exactly. 10 episodes, but it feel that feels, you know, good for five months into doing this. Yeah, we're gaining some traction. I think we're building a following and I'm having a great time. This It's been good. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, so, hey, what's what's been going on with you since we last uh, talked on the last episode? <sighs> what's been going on? Let's see. Well, I have a fun story to tell. Um, just the other day, I was waiting for Violet and uh, Jill to arrive at the gym, uh, at the gym that I work out. And so that's also where Violet does her jujitsu class. So I'm on the treadmill and I'm running, just waiting for them to show up. And I never ride the treadmill. It's just that it was right by the door so I could watch. So I press the stop button on the treadmill when they pull up and I go to get off. But because I don't ride the treadmill, I didn't realize that it has like a slowdown process. <laughs> so I, I turn around to get off the treadmill. I realize it's still going as fast as it was when I was basically running full steam. And I was like full, like arms, legs in the air and landed hard on my back. And about like three people come running over to see if I'm okay. I'm totally fine. I go to the car and Jill is like in tears. She is, she can't even speak because she saw the whole thing. Oh, perfect. Laughing nonstop. I, thankfully I didn't really hurt myself. I just kind of got like a, like a rug burn type injury on my elbow, but, uh, (laughs) I wish I could get the, uh, I wish I could get the security camera video for it because uh, I would love to see it. But yeah, so it, it would likely be a, a YouTube sensation or make it into one of those compilations that that you see on you know Facebook. Of I think of it was worthy of that bags. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that uh, yeah your elbow was the the only injury because man, I've seen people looks like they you can get you can get knocked out if you fall on your head. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was fine. Just my biggest injury was my pride. I felt like a bit of a, an idiot at the gym there, but yeah. Now, have you ever seen people who like will walk on the treadmill and it's set up where they can work? They're, they're on a laptop while they're walking. Yes, I have seen that before. And in fact, uh, one of my employees, a developer that used to work with, with us, he had a setup like that in his office and he would walk like something like 15,000 steps a day. <laughs> he would just like walk all day long while he was on his laptop. Oh my gosh. I don't, I don't think I could pull that off. I, w- I would probably make it five or 10 minutes. My focus would go elsewhere and I would be like you. And then even at a, a walking speed, I would end up down on the ground somehow. Yeah, you got to really uh, train and get used to that whole thing about working while walking. It, it would just be awkward while you're trying to type, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to we got to keep you upright, so let's let's leave the treadmill alone for a while. 
Yep. So we launched our new service, that Google My Business service that we were talking about last episode. And so I'm pumped about that. Uh, we we were a little bit, uh, you know, we sent the email out to our mailing list uh, on July 3rd, where I think like most people were like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to be gone because most of our customer base is in the US. And so yeah. maybe it wasn't the best time for a promotional email. So we're going to circle back on that in a couple of weeks. And we're trying to just do more promotion and build up the service. I'm excited about that. I'm also very excited about how our new account system is coming together. So with the Stripe integration and rebuilding all of our order forms and just that whole user flow of signing up for our software or services, right? So all that's yep. being rebuilt in Stripe. That's awesome. Um, and then, of course, getting ready for MozCon, which is next week. Can't wait to see you in person there. So I did get my presentation finalized and uh, and all done. Yeah. 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 By the time this episode airs, we'll both be in... Seattle and at MozCon, you speaking, gather ups there as a sponsor, but yeah, we'll get yep. some time to, to hang out in, in person and we're going to try to re record uh, episode 11 in person uh, as, as well while we're in Seattle. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be fun. We have to figure out where we're going to do that recording. Yeah, it's going to be a very top secret location so that we don't, all of our fans aren't, you know, trying to break down the door to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should at least have a window where the fans can watch that one. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, right. It's like some morning news show where they're just exactly, like scream, yeah. screaming and holding signs. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, we could pay somebody to do that. That would be the only way that would happen. I think, yeah, we would have to pay definitely. Yeah. How about you? What's up with you? Yeah, on uh, uh, my side, I'm catching up after enjoying an awesome Fourth of July week, where I was out of you know out of the office the entire week. Just probably spent an hour to two hours each day on email and keeping some things moving. But it was a lot of time off, awesome. a lot of time with the kids. Yeah, time on the lake, which was awesome. But it always always makes you know the week you get back and all the things you kind of put off or said, you know, yeah. schedule the call next week. Now I'm basically, you know, living with a headset on the last uh, last few days, but all all good. I was going to say, it's like you get punished for taking that time off. It is. It's double the work before you leave and double the work when you get yeah. back. And, you know, that's why you got to make it count when you're going to be out, yep. right? It's, it's like if, if you're going to take all that punishment, then make sure, make sure you enjoy yep, it. Totally. Um, amazingly, right, we've talked a lot about um, my need and the work. Um, we've had a specific episode on sales, but we have hired two outbound sales positions that that start for us in the next couple. Amazing! Weeks. Yeah, I'm very curious yes. to hear how this goes. Outbound sales—it's a whole new world. Yes. So I'm incredibly excited. We got two great people, both from like referrals of one internal team referral and one from outside and a few different things had to happen to get everything to align, but they're starting at the same time. So a lot of my week this week when I have spare moments is on materials and trying to get as much together for them to hit the ground yep. running. Um, so plenty of work to do along those, those lines. And then related to the, the product, a, a really big piece that we've been working on for months that this is probably the first time we've had a feature big enough where we, we're built, we've built an alpha of it first. Usually it's a you know, dev server and a beta and a pretty, pretty workable solution once we get going. But um, we've created an, an insights report um, that we have tied in with IBM's Watson to do natural language processing. Yep, so you'll be able to yeah, understand sentiment of reviews, um, 
because right, you, you might have a, a four-star review where the customer talks about three really great things about the business, but then maybe has two things that weren't as good. And we want to start to separate those kind of things out for you instead of just attaching all of that content to a four-star review. We want you to understand, you know, what are the impact of what are things that go on in a five-star experience compared to a two-star experience? So you can try to close that gap as a business and, and understand what those differentiators are. And then trends, what's happening on a week or a month or a quarterly basis that's increasing or de decreasing good or bad within how customers are, are talking about your business. So really big feature, a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, we will be uh, showing it off at, at uh, MozCon and um, yeah, excited about that. And we're, we're kind of targeting for the end of the month to, to get into an open beta with people. Great. So. Well, I'd like to get in on that open beta. Check it out. Yeah. Nope. I'm, I'll have a lot of fun um, giving you a, a, a demo with it. So that, that would yeah. be Yeah. I know is Watson, uh, is that a paid API you have to tap into? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Paid API. So we just have to, uh, you know, tie into it which that part obviously is already done. And now you kind of just get into the training part. Mm -hmm. um, we, we evaluated probably four or five different natural language processing yeah. APIs. And there's, I guess, kind of out of the box or to start with, we, we kind of had two things going for it. One, um, one of our engineers was already familiar with it, had used it uh, in another capacity. And two, when we did kind of some sample test results between these four or five solutions, um, we felt like it had just the most like accuracy out of the box right. in the in the ways that we were looking for. Um, and no matter what, I mean, it's all about training, right? So you have to you have to train the the machine and everything else. But we felt like it was just a better starting point. Really cool. It, so yeah, awesome. Yeah, and with that, um, you know, new features are all about trying to make things better for your customers. Uh, the topic that you know you brought up, I think, is fantastic one to address. Um, even deeper is, you know, taking a look at customer support, customer success yep. teams, you know, what, what do you need to do to build the right uh, criteria, pieces, elements, processes, team, everything else to support your customers and to, to lead your customers to success. So I brought this topic up because I think we do a pretty decent job of it at WhiteSpark. You know, we, if you look at our reviews, a lot of people talk about the excellent support that they get at WhiteSpark. We have good processes in place. We have a good, um, you know, ticketing software and live chat software that we get through Zendesk. But I wanted to bring this topic up because this is going to be an episode where it's like Aaron teaches me all of the awesome things. Because I, I think that you've thought really deeply about this at GatherUp and, you know, you've really taken things to a next level. And so I, I want to learn from you and I'm, I'm going to be the question asker, I think, and you can help me see some of the great ways that you guys have really taken uh, your support to the next level. Oh, I'm on the Yeah, a little seat. bit. Not really. I, th I think that uh, <laughs> this will flow more naturally than, than a straight Q&A. But, but honestly, I really feel like you've got a lot to share here. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. And truth be told, it's an area where we, <clears throat> oh, it was probably almost two years ago now where we realized we wanted to put a lot of focus into it. Um, to, you know, to your point with... Uh, White Spark and how you guys handle it and customers talk about that. I mean, I, I really think as a bootstrap SaaS company, like you have to yeah, win there, sure. right? You're not going to win, you know, feature battles. You're not going to have the 100 person sales teams, like all these things that 
larger VC companies that can scale faster mm-hmm. can have. Um, you have to win with service and support as a bootstrap SaaS company. And, you know, we, we looked at and realized like we need that to be a differentiator because some of these other things, you know, we can build smarter features slash cooler features, but, you know, they're going to be able to build 50 to every five that, that yeah, exactly. we um, so it, in looking at that, it's like, yeah, you need that as a differentiator. And we realized that a long um, time ago. And to me, the, the biggest arc in this that, yeah, I would, you know, love to love to talk about what we've done and questions you have, but just this arc, right? It was a, a couple of years ago. And uh, funny enough, we were actually in Seattle. I think we were, I, I can't remember if we were at one of the, you know, when they used to have MozCon right. local. I think maybe it was at that, but we stayed a day or two later and we actually used Moz's offices to have an exec team meeting. And we whiteboarded out this timeline of what the arc looked like between customer support, which is completely reactive, and customer success, which is completely proactive. And we tried to mark along those lines, like what are steps that we can take to continue to add more proactive and prescriptive uh, things to what we provided and to, to make our team, you know, we, we realized we needed more focus on customer success as well as uh, support, but we really needed to make that entire piece of yep. focus of GatherUp. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. And I think this is where, you know, WhiteSpark can certainly improve and that's that proactive approach. This, this remove, you know, moving from customer support, which is when people are asking you questions to customer success, which is you're proactively reaching out to them and onboarding them, helping them out with things, noticing when, when, you know, they're not active in the tool, like all those kinds of things. That's where I'm really excited about the potential for support and customer success. And, you know, I want to hear more about what are some of the things you guys are doing? Like, what how, do you actually divide them up into two teams at GatherUp? Do you have like people that answer incoming questions and people that are trying to be proactive and reaching out to customers? Yeah. So from a labeling standpoint, all the same team, uh, but we have started to, you know, w- we look at where people's talents are and, and things like that. And we are more giving them roles or responsibilities of, all right, you know, this person based on experience, knowledge, uh, personality, like they're, they're a great support person. They're great to answer email tickets and do these pieces and whatever else. Whereas someone else like, okay, their level of understanding is really deep. They have a lot of confidence to recommend how to use features and they can be a little bit more leading with the customer. Like they're better fit for a customer success right. role. So we, we kind of call everybody the same, but we have started to differentiate, um, you know, what, what their main duties, what the majority of their time is spent on within yeah. that process. And then I'm also curious. So, well, tell me this, like what percentage of your customers get a proactive outreach? Like, do you have to have a certain number of locations in order to sort of fall into this bucket where we're going to proactively reach out or do you do that with everybody? Yeah. Based on our pricing model, you it, for us, it is multi-locations. So the biggest thing for a new client, if if we sell a multi-location, that's almost always going to be a one-to-one demo. Um, and then we're going to try to do a, a SOW with them to get an agreement and try to get them on an annual contract. And part of that is an onboarding mm-hmm. process. Um, and then, you know, making sure I we get everything set up right. We walk them through. We make them aware of features uh, and all those other 
other steps. Uh, and then what we've recently had, I know I've mentioned a couple other podcasts, you know, we, we had our team and then we hired a VP of customer mm-hmm. success and Taylor came on and looked at like, you know, all right, great. You, you have this great setup and onboarding process, but it kind of stops right at launch. And what he added was a fifth phase to it. That's like, all right, now let's make sure in the first 90 days that you're hitting success metrics and you're getting value either statistically or emotionally out of the yep. product and then graduating and then, you know, then setting up quarterly business reviews to like, are they still hitting the things that you need them to? Are you on track right. to do the to do the right things? Yeah, that that's that whole next level. That's, that's I think, really valuable when you start to tap into your your best customers and really making sure that they're getting the most value out of the software. And then that's that also is a really great like relationship building with your best customers where they just feel like you, you actually care. You're taking the time to reach out to them and they just feel really great about working with GatherUp. Yep. And you, you just, you discover so much about them when you have those types of yep. conversations and w- when you get knee deep in their data as well. Right. And it's given us a more formatted approach. I mean, all the time in the past, I'm, I'm constantly jumping in and out of accounts and looking for signals on, you know, are, are they doing well? Are they doing great? Are they struggling? Is there a challenge that uh, I can see that I can mm-hmm. reach out to them with? And now we're just building more and more of a system around that. You know, we, we've talked in past episodes and we're just getting into this where we, we're going to bring data to the table to help yep. tell us more of those things, more in-app analytics. That's still the, the piece of the story we're missing there. Um, but now for our more valuable accounts, you know, we're doing those types sure. of things. And then you know, the, the, the other challenge is then, you know, on the small business, you know, like the one location side, how do, how do you wrap in when you have support opportunities to still provide them a little bit of success with it um, and, and as well provide them with as many resources as possible to be successful so that there are things on demand when they need mm-hmm. answers or easy ways to talk to the support team, I think are really important when you can't, you can't, you know, you can't give all of yourself to a forty dollar yep. a month customer, yep. or seventy five dollar a month customer, but you can give a little and also put them on to, hey, here's a ton of content or tutorials or other ways that you can get your answers and be successful. Yeah, and I think that's where we we do a pretty good job. Like we have a like an email funnel, right? So when someone signs up for an account, they're going to get their welcome email, their next steps, and then there's like a series of emails that they're going to get that sort of tell them about features of the tool and sort of guide them through, you know, using the software. And it's pretty self-served. And so if they're not reading those emails, then we don't know. And the one thing that we don't do is we don't segment based off of account size. And I think that's an opportunity for us. So if we did segment and we put a little bit more time into those higher about value accounts, that's that's really a good takeaway for me personally in this one is to get a process in place to identify those accounts and then, you know, how are we going to reach out to them and how are we going to support them a bit better? Yep. Yeah, I would say that segmentation is really important and then outlining exactly what you're talking about, how, how you can get to them. That, that has definitely been a game changer for us. And it makes, you know, our customer success team is now in charge of renewals, right? When they, they've signed a one-year or two-year deal, and when that comes up for renewal, 
you know, as, as we say, we should know with 99% certainty that they're going to renew because we've been yes. talking to them every quarter about totally. how things are going. It's not, you're not crossing your fingers. Will they renew or not? It's like, no, no, we know how they mm -hmm. feel about the product and how things are going and that we're a core part of what we're doing. Or we know like, hey, you know, this account is in trouble. We, we need to make an impact yep. and a change quickly or they're not going to give us any more runway to make, a, make an impact. Right. And your, your account, man it's like you have account managers, they're, they're customer success people, but they're also account managers and, and they're responsible for like, what, 20, 30 different accounts that they have to keep an eye on. Yeah. And that, that's some of the stuff where we're just trying to, it'll be really interesting for the rest of this year. And uh, we're definitely going to have some talks, but you know, how do we, how do we start to understand what each customer's success rep can handle within their mixture of things, especially as now we have salespeople that are hopefully bringing on more accounts that need to be onboarded. Um, but we want to try to get some amount of framework in place so we know when this happens, if we're sending out this many SOWs, we know this is the likelihood they're going to close. And so we know the likelihood we're going to need additional help at this point yeah. in time so we can just be ahead of it instead of reactive where the team is like, hey, we're buried please send help. That's yeah. usually when it's I wanted to ask you about this um, fine line between support and sales. Like at my company, we don't have a dedicated salesperson. We have our support team, which is basically frontline sales for us. People come in, they have questions about the product. Our support team answers those questions. We'll send them links to, um, you know, sign up for things. They'll make recommendations about what would make sense for them. So they, they kind of become the salespeople in a lot of these cases if it's a large looking account they send it to me or to nick and we handle you know more of the sow type uh account setup um in your case like who how do you do that how like does your front does your support offer sort of sales stuff for signing up like the one-offs is that how it works at gather up yeah so our customer success team will do a couple of like our our single location yep. demos within a week. Um, and, you know, there really isn't a handoff at all for them because it's more of a give demo, answer questions. If there's any straggler questions, answer those. Then it's right. self-serve to go sign up. And then, you know, they'll, they'll reach back out if they have questions. We have the process things to what you alluded to, you know, drip emails, a quick start guide. We have a very in-depth user guide. You know, we have a number of ways to like help them start with as minimal human touch as possible. And then the support team's there to answer mm -hmm. questions as they need it. For anything larger, our, our handoff is basically when, when that agreement is signed. So when the SOW is signed, you know, then I will go to, to Taylor and say, all right, you know, here's, here's what the deal is. Here's what it looks like. And a lot of times we're even having conversations before that. Um, but then we're like, all right, here's the person our team is going to handle it. We have a little, you know, small internal information handoff. And then I'm reaching out and saying, hey, you know, great news. Here's your, your customer success rep is going to be Josh. He's going to schedule your first meeting and lay out what onboarding looks yep. like for you. And, you know, now I, I'm here just to ride along if you have any overall questions or whatever, but you're in great hands and, and move forward. So we use that intro email and scheduling that kickoff meeting as the handoff from sales to customer success. Yep, that makes sense. And um, what is your cutoff? So like, let's say, you know, how many people will self-serve that happen to have like 20 plus locations? Do they just come through the website and they, oh, wow, they just signed up? Yep. Yeah, very few. 
And, and we really find um, some of the things that we've done to help identify that, right? We have our multi-location pri- pricing is behind uh, a, right. a, a gateway. So you have to put in who you are and how many locations when you're looking at something. So we use that then to reach out and be like, hey, great. You looked at our pricing. You saw it's completely competitive and very valuable. Would you like a one-on-one demo? So we use that to get them into the sales process at that time. Um, and the majority come come in that way. And we really sell, you know, I, I would say the biggest differentiator, we do customer success with anyone that's paying a setup fee. If someone says, you know, I just want to handle it myself and do whatever else, then we might mm-hmm. back off it a little bit. But we find most people like, hey, I'd rather pay the fee and I get a tour guide. I get all this one-on-one support. I get a process that really is going to help me get the value out of this. And then we know that customer is pretty serious too. So that that format right. has worked really well for us. We will get on occasion you know, a five, 10, a 15 location that comes in and they do sign up themselves and put stuff, um, you know, into it themselves. And if we run across it, we'll, we'll likely ping them and just, you know, what, what are things looking like? Is there anything mm-hmm. we can be of help with? Would you, would you like to jump on a call to know more? So we will try to intercede um, with that, but we really find the majority of them end up coming through our sales process. Yep. That makes sense. Especially since you have it behind a form, right? So if you've got multiple locations, you want to see that pricing, they're already in that funnel where the next step is to set up a demo and then it leads to SOW and, and a setup contract and all that stuff. Yep. And we had a lot of internal debate when we moved to that. When we rebranded, we went um, to that method for our reseller pricing and our multi-location pricing. And I ultimately settled like, okay, we're showing our one location pricing. This is as expensive as it gets per location. And to see the other, you know, who are you, your email, your business, and, and the number of locations... The minute you submit that, you see the pricing right then and there. You can bookmark that URL and review it as many times as you want. And our sales process isn't, you know, we, we reach out with one or two emails max just to make sure that, you know, they understand everything correctly. Do they have questions on pricing? Mm-hmm. Would they like to see a demo? So we're just trying to be helpful. We're not going to over inundate them. And it's worked. There's a few on our team that were a little apprehensive and it, it's worked incredibly well for us. And Oh, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, haven't had any pushback on why can't I see all, all of your pricing? And, you know, to some extent, a lot of our competitors don't yeah, even show crazy. one location Man. pricing. You have no idea the cost at all until you talk to somebody. So I hate that. Whenever yeah. I go to a website that doesn't have pricing, I'm like, I, well, no, obviously it's too expensive. So I'm not going to sign up. There's there's only one reason why you wouldn't show me your pricing. It's because it's like $20,000. I don't want it. So that's, that's how I think about it every time. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I think your approach is really smart, actually. And maybe, I don't know how prevalent that is, but showing the single location pricing and then for multi-location pricing, you know, fill out this little form. Now you've, lead, you've got the great lead capture and you have delivered the pricing to them up front. They still feel good. You know, all they have to do is just enter their name and email. You, they're going to get that pricing immediately. And then you have your customer success team outreach to them. Now, those will be sales leads, right? Yeah. For your, your new sales team. Yep. Yep. Which is, which is perfect to give them a handful, you know, of those coming in, even though my new salespeople, like their main focus mm-hmm. is they're outbound. They're going to be they're going to be generating their own love in the world. Oh, I got so many questions, but we'll save that for the next uh, episode on sales. Let's keep talking <laughs> about support. Um, I wanted to ask you about support contracts. This has come up. We have a number of multi-location clients that are 
unbelievably time consuming on support. Like seriously, five hours a week we spend answering their questions, going back and forth, re-answering the same question six times. It's just like some of these clients, uh, we love them. We, you know, they're great. They are awesome people, but they really need a lot of handholding. And I'm wondering, like right now we do not have support contracts. How do you deal with this, with these really needy customers that need a lot of time and handholding? What do you do at GatherUp? So we're just starting to address this as well. Our last exec summit a month and a half ago, this was one of our topics. And in coming from the world of agencies, you had yeah. some of these same things as well, right? And you'd, you'd try to build those into retainers and and kind of have it factored out that way. But I, I think they're... I think support contracts are really important. And I think most of it has to do with how you position it right up front in the process. Um, and the best way to look at it is you outline, you're able to outline for, in, in our case, the initial conversations we had was something around like, you know, three, three tiers of support. And I guess I should maybe, you know, go one backwards. And you're probably in the same position is you offer amazing support. And as your company gets bigger, that, amazing support becomes mm -hmm. harder and harder to be equal all the way across the board. Because where you were doing it for dozens or hundreds, now maybe it's thousands of customers. And to get the same, you know, responses within hours and outcomes and, right. you know, all of those different kind of things becomes increasingly hard. And I, I feel the best way to handle it is to kind of say, all right, you have three different options in working with us. Like here's the software fee, but then we also have support mm -hmm. that you can decide to purchase or not purchase. And if you don't purchase it, here's kind of our standard rule of thumb. You'll get a response within, you know, 24 business hours or 16 mm -hmm. business hour, but something that gives you leeway for them to understand, Hey, I'm not going to get something in an hour. And I, I have to live with that. I want it included. I want it as a for free and I'm willing to live and the, the right expectations have been set. Yeah, that's the key. That's sort of differentiating is because this is the, the thought that someone's going to have is be like, well, can't I just get support? You know, why are you offering support to all these other people? Why do I have to pay for support? And so I think those different tiers is where you can actually uh, make a case for a support contract. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you you end up showing them like, hey, if you really value this and you want fast turn time and you want guarantees and things like that, well, then you can have it. You just, you have to pay for it. It's like anything. If you want a better version that is bigger, better, faster, whatever that might be, there's there's value attached to it, and so mm -hmm. you're willing to to pay for it. And then when you know. It, when the expectation is off, then you're at least able to say like, this This was communicated, you declined that. You said, I'm willing to live with two days or three days to, to reply mm -hmm. um, for no additional money. So, I mean, we'll see. This is, you're right, this is in theory. And we used to do, I've done similar things like this in, in agency before around, you know, development contracts and, and e-commerce and website builds. And it, they worked really, really well in, in those scenarios. It's just getting every, all of it to be done upfront. The most important part is selling it upfront instead of having them get in. And then when they have a problem and then saying like, oh, well, you can pay to get help faster. Yeah. And then they're like, I would have paid from the get-go. Now I'm mad because it didn't meet my expectations. You didn't set proper expectations. That's when you get into trouble if you don't 
have that available and they didn't make that choice, then you're just making where, oh, it is an option. You never asked, so we didn't tell you. Yeah. So absolutely getting it in advance is the best way to do it. So I have a client or two now that is quite needy that I would love to get on a support contract, but it, it is a very awkward conversation at this point. Um, and then the other potential concern I have is you have this client who you send, they send you like once a week, a 15 point list of really long, complicated, obscure edge casey questions. It's like the most obscure stuff you could ever imagine. And even if they're on like whatever a free support plan is, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't need a response in, in 36 hours. I can wait until next week. But man, they just sent us seven hours of work, you know, they like so much yeah. time to like go through, look at what their weird edge case concern is playing around with the software, going back and forth with the dev team. It's just that it's frustrating when you have these specific clients, you know, I would say since you have that historical data, I would use that to your advantage and say, we've looked at this. We want to serve you at the right level to make you successful. And based on our interactions in the last three months, six months, year, this is the amount of interaction. This is the amount of emails and tickets and requests. Mm -hmm. This, this is, you know, you would be smart to pre-purchase five hours of support a month for us at, at this rate. Otherwise, you know, we will have to look at going to a time and materials with this yep. just because of the amount that it is. And, it, and it's all to ensure you're successful. So it, it isn't easy, but you have to realize, you know, what it takes. And, and, a, and a good customer and a good relationship, they, they'll realize that anyway, right? And if they don't, then that's starting to send you some other signals. Like they have no problem taking you down with them. <laughs> yeah, I think that they're probably in the back of their minds are like, oh boy, like how long are we able to get this free support from Whitespark? <laughs> because they know they're sending us so much like extra work to do. They must know that... They're, they're just waiting for the email to come where we suggest, well, yeah, we're going to have to start implementing uh, hourly fees for all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's always a way to address it. When you have history, I think you use that history to advantage. Like these are, these are knowns. Yep. We're not guessing how much you might need. Like these are complete knowns. And here's how we can continue to help you at this level now that we understand the level of help you're requesting all the time. I like it. Thank you. I will uh, take that approach. Um, so how do you measure your, like, okay, at WhiteSpark, we use Zendesk. So Zendesk has this really great dashboard for statistics. So we can see how many tickets and what are the common things. One thing I really love in the dashboard is uh, the search queries. People that are searching our help center, that's a gold mine of ideas of like what people are looking for and what problems they're having. Um, so like, what do you guys use at GatherUp? I'm just curious how you measure and uh, measure success and what's important in support. We use Help Scout and have for a long time. And it, it, it's at the point where, you know, not, I'm not in a daily, does everything that we need it to. And, you know, same things you're talking about, right? Response times, um, you know, ticket close times, uh, all that information is available uh, to us. Uh, we obviously have it wired in, you know, integrated to a ton of things from mm -hmm. everything from, you know, for live chat, we use Olark. And if Olark's, if we're offline with live chat, then it automatically goes and creates a ticket uh, in Help Scout so we can address it that way. Um, 
And then the same, right, you, using tagging, we also do the same on like wh- who's asking, what are they asking about? So uh, we track very, very heavily and we share it in our weekly team meetings. Like here's, here's the amount of, um, you know, support interactions in total. Here's the amount of support interactions from small business, from multi-locations, from agency resellers. And then here's yep. what people are asking about, right? Like review widget is always one of our leading topics, um, and then we look at other ones and that's, that's really great. Cause that helps inform us. Do we need to do more with some of our other support features like user guide documentation or right. something in our emails, or do we even need to look at something in the product based on, you know, pop- popularity or what are they asking about or, or what's confusing? So that has definitely led to us doing a number of things to try to be proactive by taking that, that reactive, um, data, data with it. So can we decrease those numbers uh, or or be of more help? And even the support team, right? If they have just one link, they can drop in mm-hmm. like, yeah, your question. We get asked that all the time. Here's a very detailed user guide post on this with screenshots. Go to here and this will help you, you know, do exactly what you need to. Yeah. Have you built a, like email response templates in Help Scout where for like really common questions, you've got like a template you just fire it up and hit send for the most part? Yep. Yep. They have a, a few of those put together for, for the most common ones because yeah, there, there are certain ones. It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to get asked, you know, what review sites do you monitor? Boom. Here's, here's the answer and here's the link to that full list. So abs- absolutely any of those efficiency plays are huge. That's actually gave me a thought right now. Anywhere we have a template, that would actually probably be a good auto email. So for all customers, when they get, when they sign up, it's part of the email funnel. It's like, you know, email number five is, you know, most commonly asked question number two, right? So just putting all of those frequently asked questions that we have templates for into yeah. the auto email and so preemptively giving those to customers that might be wondering. Yeah, totally, totally a good idea that having that information make you smarter about what people are likely going to hit as a point of confusion or needing some education or needing to be better is mm-hmm. huge. Yep. I also was thinking about, and I, I picked this up from that podcast we listened to and talked about last episode about proactively showing more obscure features and ways to use the software into that, uh, that email funnel. So, you know, email number seven in the funnel is like, did you know that the software can do this? And here's, here's like a quick little video on how to do it. Right. I like, I like that a lot too in the email funnels. Yeah. That's something we could definitely be better at because we have so many features. We kick Mm -hmm. so many out is like, how do you expose those to more and more users and expose them at the right times for them? Yeah, get, getting smarter around all that stuff is definitely an area I have massive interest in. Like how how do you produce great targeting, right message at the at the right time um, for them to be like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I should use, or this will make me more successful with the product. Yeah, right. A couple other things that I think have uh, been really helpful for us. Um, one, we actually use our own product that after a support instance, we send that out to gather feedback and then also request reviews. Right. Um, so, you know, first surface level, yeah, it's great because we find out is a customer happy with that answer? Were they serviced timely? You know, did, was the interaction with their rep great? Um, but secondly, we have driven more Google reviews for us um, because you're asking for a review when somebody's just had a great experience of being yep. helped. And again, when we talk about that differentiator is our support team, 
we see that over and over again where people are like, yeah, and man, I loved working with Gatlin. So Gatlin was awesome, helped me do all these things, whatever else. And now I want to go write a review and I'm talking about Gatlin or I'm talking about this other team member. Um, and that's that's been really huge at, you know, not not just getting feedback on the, the support experience, but yeah. people saying like, yeah, your brand and your service are awesome and I want to tell everybody uh, about it. So that's been really interesting. So wait a minute, are you saying that when a customer support ticket closes in Help Scout, they get into a gather up funnel where the gather up is yes. sending the uh, like, how did we do email? That's coming from gather up, not from Help Scout. Yep. Yeah. So we have our, we have, we basically, our customer success has its own profile within yep. uh, gather up. We added that as a location. So right. the wording's different. The survey questions are different and everything else. Um, and then it allows us to look at what is the net promoter score for our customer success team. Right. And then within the last couple of weeks, um, uh, uh, Taylor and the customer success team has implemented this for onboarding as well now. And we've just got a couple of those in. And that's been great to see where like, hey, here's here's how I felt about, you know, the level of detail and the mm -hmm. timing of it. And man, this person was so helpful in, in onboarding us. And when you're able to read that feedback from a 200 or a yep. 300 location client that's a very good client for you and you realize what a differentiator that is and now that's content you could possibly share with your next prospect like hey here's this company this brand name and you know this brand name really well well here's what their team said about our team and getting started with our our product so not only do we know the same thing that GatherUp does for other customers, we're producing marketing material to inform the next buyer. Oh man, I love that. We're gonna do it too. So we basically, <laughs> right now, we just have this, the default Zendesk email that comes out, like that rates customer satisfaction, right? Which is not bad, but GatherUp is so much deeper and, and so much more valuable. So I, I'm curious, how are they connected? When a customer support ticket closes, do you have a Zapier connection? Is that what you've done? Or do they manually go and enter that person? Nope. Uh, I would believe we have it automated. I don't know specifically if we're using our API or we're using a Zap for it. Yeah. I got to figure that out. Because uh, I got to figure out how I can get Zendesk now talking to gather up so that uh, I can integrate that. Yep. Nope. You can absolutely make that happen. Cool. Well, maybe I'll talk to the helpful people at MozCon when I come and visit your booth. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Let's let's look at it. Let's figure it totally. out. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, how do you know, like, are you measuring ticket volume and using that to identify when it's time to hire another support person? Like, how are you sort of figuring that? Or are you just waiting for your, you know, customer support head, like the, your director of customer support to tell you, oh, we need to hire some more people? Yeah. This, I mean, kind of the same to what we we're talking about with customer success. Like we want to have framework for this. We definitely, we definitely track support volume that, that same, you know, in our weekly meeting, customer success department has their section and they're going to say, here's how many tickets, here's how many conversations, here's how many phone calls, here's how many live chats. We break down all of those things by, you know, the medium that, that they're being handled on. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have anything yet that says, you know, this is too much, this is too low. We're, we we kind of track the flow of where those are and sometimes we'll zoom out and say, all right, what does this look like over the last 12 months? Um, but being more predictive by using those numbers is definitely a next step for us so that we're able to say like, all right, you know, where we're at here, one rep full-time and two part-time on support, 
with the rest of their time on onboarding, we're fine. But the minute we hit this, then we need another. And the minute this increase, then we need another. We'd like to get it to be a little bit more regimented sure. and predictive. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. For us, it's just like, we, we just start to feel it. It's like, ah, we're getting overwhelmed and we're, our response time is taking longer. We've just got too many tickets coming in. Then we hire again. But, um, so far, you know, we're doing fine right now, but we'll see as we grow. There you go. Yeah. You never know. What do you feel like is your guys's biggest challenge within your, your support team right now? I think the challenge is, being more proactive. So I don't know if challenge is the right word, but it's the, it's the next thing we need to do. Um, you know, moving from a reactive support position to a proactive success position. And I think, you know, we have the resources right now. I don't believe that the support team is, is, you know, completely booked all of their time. And so getting a process in place where we can uh, be more proactive and identifying those high value clients and really trying to reach out to them and help them get set up. You know, there's a big opportunity there that I really have to focus on. Yeah, no, that's exactly where we were two years ago. And the first thing is just identifying it, making it a priority so that everyone understands it. And then you kind of lay out what what are these you know, if if being proactive is the strategy, what are the tactics that support that, mm-hmm. that we need to put resources into or make sure we have tools to do? And yeah, just, you know, you kind of stair step and start picking those yep. up and move up the ladder one at a time while you keep everything behind it at the same level it's at. And you can get there. I mean, we're, we're two years into that. We still have a ton of way to go, right? You're always trying to perfect it. For sure. It's interesting when you think about like you, you talk about the difference between a bootstrap company and a VC funded company. Like you see these companies like Yelp and Yext and that have invested so much into their sales force and not much into their customer support. And it's just like, it's a complete switch of values, right? They're just focused on signing people up not supporting them in such a backwards way to approach business, it seems to me. Yeah. Well, acquisition gets all of the love. And depending upon what size you are, you know, how how much does retention make an impact mm-hmm. for you? And when you're in a, a smaller bootstrap company, re- retention is massive because you might not ha- have the resources to do acquisition all day long, yeah. right? Well, for for us, right, we're we're over five years into the company and we're really truly building, you know, we've had one salesperson on the agency side. I do our sales, but only a very small percentage outbound. But now five years later, now we have resources and we have the right fit with our product where we can very confidently say like, yeah, now it's time to put fuel on the fire and take the fight to people and go and be outbound sales with it as well. Um, so when, when you don't have the ability to do that, retention is really huge because as much as you need to land those next clients, you need to keep the ones that you have. Um, obviously we spent a whole episode on, on churn. You can mm-hmm. do a whole podcast yeah. just on churn all by itself, but yeah, no, it, it is super important. And yeah, for some people, I think the bigger they get, the numbers become so macro that a, a lot of it seeps through the cracks, right? And we, we, we're we seeing more and more of that in the space right now where people are coming from some of our larger competitors and they're saying, yep, I spent a year or two years with them. I didn't get a lot of love. I was paying for features I didn't even utilize. It looks like, you know, you guys aren't trying to have everything in the kitchen exactly. sink and you absolutely have what we need. And you have a few other things that they didn't have because you're a little more focused on 
the SEO and the local search uh, end of things. And wow, it seems like people are raving about your service. So yep. let, let's work together. And that's, that's fabulous. I, I want that to happen all day long. Yep. Well, we should keep that happening all day long for all of our, <laughs> all of our services and products. Yep. Totally. All right. All right, my man. That's a wrap. We did it. We're going to see you next week and we'll record another episode then. I can't wait for that. It's going to be great. Yeah. All kinds of uh, fun in Seattle awaits us. And yeah, we will we'll find a way to hide out and uh, record episode uh, 11 at MozCon in, in Seattle. And oh, I don't know, we'll have to bring something really festive to the table with us being something. The, yeah. the same area to record i don't i don't know if we can sit face to face that that might not work but we just might be like a, a hotel room away from each other or back to back we might have to include some video clips of this <laughs> all right riveting stuff good well thank you that was good chat we'll talk to you uh, next week all right thanks everybody remember to subscribe to the sas venture podcast or share the SaaS Venture Podcast with someone you know that is interested in sales, SaaS, um, anything to do with, with software products. We appreciate uh, building our audience uh, more and more, and it's all thanks to you guys. So thanks, everyone, and have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.